0: Hello and welcome to For the Emperor, I'm your host Richard, I'm joined by James. Hello. And Stuart. Hello. And we're, today we're going to be going over Chapter approved 2018, and this is the first time we've actually all been together, well, sort of together, in 2019, so happy New Year's, guys. Happy half New Year. Year. So, we're all ready to get into this and pick up with our first podcast of 2019. Ready, rock and roll. Okay, let's just get right into it. Sisters of Battle beta, first thoughts.
1: Uh, it's a little bit underwhelming. They didn't add any new units, so... I I think the purpose of the book was to give current Sisters of Battle model range up to date units. uh, Sorry, up to date rules. But they haven't added anything that wasn't really missing from the index for for Sisters of Battle. They've given a little bit of bit more background into some of the orders. They have. Okay, well, I'll I'll take that back. They have given you uh, relics, stratagems, the uh, like you know what you would call chapter tactics. You know, the, the order tactics uh, or traits for the sisters, which is good, but they've not added any new units, uh, which which a lot of people, I think, I don't know if people were expecting the new units to be added or if they just hope to get maybe, uh, you know, a better, a better bit of balance. Some of their stratagems are quite good. Some of them are quite, quite themed. I personally like the, the Holy Trinity stratagem. It's quite funny, but, and, but this is obviously from a point of view, I don't play Sisters of Battle, I've just been reading up on what other people have saying. The key mechanic or, or the, the gimmick Sisters of Battle have is Acts of Faith, and they've made Acts of Faith slightly harder or just harder in general to do uh, from what they were in the Index version. And when your army's key trait or, or big gimmick is acts of faith and they're harder to do and less reliable that impacts the army as a whole that hurts them so last year right in thinking it was orcs that were in the chapter approved no uh last year what happened last year was they only had a few key uh, codexes out and they were quite basic codexes chaos marine Grey Knight, death guard and maybe a few a few others not not many what you got last year was for every faction that hadn't already been released, you got a warlord trait, a stratagem, something else. James, yeah. a relic, a warlord trait, a relic, and a stratagem for for every faction that didn't have a chapter, uh, didn't have a codex yet. So you would play your index army, and you would have a little bit of fluff to put on it, like you know, the the orc players got the the head whopper killer chopper, I uh, believe. X. They got the Daka Daka stratagem, and they got a a, like a quite a basic um, warlord trait. But at least meant you could you could play your your army with a bit of fluff or a bit of um flavour. Compared, Yeah, flavour. Uh, a lot of people did think that playing an Index Force against a Chapter Force, uh, a Codex Force, was unfair. You would have a... Like at one point last year, James had a Space Wolf Army that was an Index Force. So he had no Stratagems, no Relics, no Warlord traits. Well, as I had my Chaos Marines, which had you know, I had full Nightlord tactics, full Nightlord relics, I had full Chaos Marine stratagems with the Nightlord stratagem as well. My Warlord was, you know, he had his Legion specific, uh, Warlord trait, his Legion specific, uh, relic, and he, he, he just windmill through people in close combat. So, last year's chapter approved, try to not not address but alleviate some of the hurting
2: that they Me- so medicate the the balance, I think is probably just
1: Yeah. It it, it try to try to alleviate um some of the lacking I mean as an example, Gene Steeler cult, they still don't have a codex yet, so they're still an index army. And if you were playing a Gene Steeler cult force if you your only stratagems and relics are in chapter approved 2017.
0: Yeah, so the, the point I'm trying to get get at here is, so last year, the Sisters of Battle had some, at least a relic, uh stratagem, and... Warlord trait. Warlord trait. So you had those for the, your Sisters of Battle. Now you're looking at what you're getting this time around, and even if you want to look at the Orc. So you look at the Orc, you've got a full codex out, so see what they had last year for their chapter-approved flavour, like the Relic. Did those carry through into the codex that came out, or was there some sort of tweaking based on feedback? What I'm saying is if the feedback for Sisters of Battle isn't as positive as they were hoping, do you think there's a chance that they by the time the book comes out it'll filter through that, or do you think that by this, what they've already kind of wrote in it, they're just giving you a little bit of a a little taster just now but the, the actual book itself is written no
1: definitely for a
0: start it's not
1: It's they didn't build the Sisters of Battle as um, a free codex with the chapter approved they've specifically said it's the first time they've ever done it and it's a beta codex now just going to the Orc for instance the Orc in Chapter Approved had a stratagem called Dakadaka. Dakadaka Daka was where you spent the command point on a, on a single unit. And if that unit, when they were shooting, got any sixes, they got a free extra shot. That proved to be so popular and so, so thematically accurate with the Orc army. By the time the Codex came out, that became an army-wide th- rule just it's always on that's how much daka daka was was liked by the community now the, the the sisters like i said they never never said they were going to give any free models or not free models any new models the, the, this codex if you had an original sisters army, it has every unit in it for you, which is great. And it has all your stratagems and all your relics and uh all your um order traits, which is great. But the thing that people seem to be looking at a lot and focusing on is the acts of faith, and that seems to be where the sisters are hurting. Like I said, some of their stuff is quite cool. Uh I mentioned the, the Holy Trinity stratagem, which is quite fun. How so? If you've got a sisters of battle squad and it shoots an enemy unit, if you direct all your shots at the same unit and in amongst those shots there, One bolt, one bolt weapon, one flame weapon, and one melter weapon. That constitutes as the holy trinity, and you get a plus one to wound on all your weapons. So you can have a whole, like a ten-man sister squad with one flamer, one melter. They come up against a, you know, chaos marine squad. They go to fire, roll all the dice. Now, yeah, okay. The Melt is already like you know, strength gazillion, and it's going to wind on twos. But the Flamer with strength four, the Bolters are strength four. They should be winding on fours. Suddenly, your ten-man squad at rapid-fire range with a Flamer is winding on threes, which is quite cool. There is a lot of a lot of nice things in it. and A lot, you know. There's a lot of. I think it's quite flavoured, but I've not. I don't play Sisters of Battle. I, I can't tell you how competitive the Codex is. I do know that from reading online, it's not been. It's not seen as a brilliant book, and just reprinting that in its own book. And Jobs are good, and there's definitely feedback, and they're definitely talking, or or there's definitely chat on the online forums and, and things about it. It's not quite there. It's not as competitive as everyone would want to see. But then again, this this is sisters of battle players talking about their own codex. And they probably want to see the best book in the world. So I don't know.
0: What's the sort of criticism that's coming back? What's one of the more pointed things? Just, you've talked about the acts of faith, now being harder to do. Is there any sort of, like, what was the sort of role that Sisters of Battle played? What was their general strategy for them? Like, you think of Space Marines and they're just vanilla. You think of, well, at least when I think of Dark Elder, I think fast attack. When you think of Imperial Guard, you think heavy artillery and all that, you know, tanks and whatnot. What was the sort of Sisters of Battle niche? They were a, a a, a,
1: fl- a flamer heavy shooty army, but again, their gimmick was the acts of Faith. I mean, you know, they're, they're human stat lines, so toughness 3s all around, but they're all in power armour. So toughness 3s with a 3 up save. so they're halfway between a space marine and a guardsman, but their big gimmick was the absurd amount of flamethrowers they could put on, the, on a on a board. They have, you know, a couple of like bespoke units, like their Sarafin, which is the, the jump troops who have two bolt pistols, no close combat weapon. Uh, they, they're obvious role is meant to be a harassment unit you know they're they're not an assault unit where they're meant to bound towards the enemy and go straight into close combat power weapons they don't have any power weapons their job I I, I would guess from their um, loadout would be to scoot around the edge of the board and harass objectives um, and try and close in on them to to, you know to kill um, softer or, or less defended units at the back
0: I mean speaking for both of you having had a look through this is there any units so is there any units or characters from Sisters of Battle beta or previous systems about, even if you want to go back previously, that you were sort of, not fear, you know, you were sort of fearful of, you were kind of thinking, oh, I don't really want, you know, that's a character, like, you know, and, and, um Editions past, it was Brother Captain Stern or whatever from you know the Grey Knights. you just like he is just the one you don't want to see. Or is there any, anyone like that that like you're you're scouting through that you think like, oh I don't want to face that? Or you could see yourself if you're a player being attr- being attracted to that that unit or that character because you can see how you would exploit it and get so the best So
1: sisters have two characters. They have Celestine Saint Celestine, and they have Uriah Jacobus. Uriah Jacobus, from what I can tell, is a, a missionary. He's one of the imperial preacher missionaries. Nothing really screams super-duper dangerous on his um, profile, He's got a 4 up invulnerable, toughness 3, 5 wounds. But 5 wounds, you know, one, one grey knight with a force weapon could kill him in 2 hits. If, you know, if he rolls good on his force weapons and he rolls poor on his invulnerables. He, he has a sword in close combat, so if you come at him with something like a power armor guy or a terminator, he's probably never going
0: to kill anything. So no. You're not really selling, you're not really selling this guy to me.
1: Well, he is only, you know, for power level, he's only 3 power level. So I wouldn't say he's going to be, you know, he's probably your cheap character HQ choice but St. Celestine is a bit of a different story so St. Celestine has a 2-up armour save four up invulnerable, the, her invulnerable is a bubble around her, um, which increases the, so the acts of faith, there's two types, there's an act of faith and a shield of faith. All sisters of battle have a shield of faith, which is, a, which is a six up invulnerable because the emperor says no. Saint Celestine increases that save by one, so it becomes a five up invulnerable for, you know, anybody within six inches of her. She's got six wounds, uh, she has a very sporty, Uh, uh, close combat blade she moves 12 inches a turn she's kind of like a jump pack unit and her her big gimmick is the miraculous intervention the first time she dies in a game you roll a dice and if you get two or more she gets put back on the board with full wounds because the Emperor says no. Well,
0: that's probably the more interesting character to have. I'm just going back to the first guy you talked about. I'm trying to think... So obviously Gay's Workshop's in the, in the business of selling these models. And if you get such a bland... What's the selling point of that character? Why are people going to want to buy him?
2: I think part of it is that he already has a model at the minute. When people have the model. As Stu said, they've not released rules for anything new. Which is largely because they haven't released anything new since the Saint Celestine remodel so but the uh, I think for uh, Uriah Jacobs it's more a cheap support unit Um, a couple of these abilities add extra bonuses to leadership and attacks for friendly units around them so I think that's the main selling point it's to help other units rather than just protect them and rather than just go full pelt into another unit. Yeah, he's
1: a a buff stick. You know, he's a he's a light, cheap buff stick. Remember, in this version of Warhammer, which is different from when you played it, unless it's the closest unit, characters can be targeted. So this guy, although he's only toughness three, can be wandering along beside a squad of Sisters of Battle or, you know, one of the maybe more elite Sisters of Battle units that do have the close combat weapons, and he can be shouting out his Warhams left, right and centre, giving them all an extra attack, and that's a big force multiplier, you know, that that makes a, a squad of five
0: hit like a squad of seven and a half. That's given me a bit more reason for why this guy exists, because the, the initial pitch for him was, like, just a waste of a model. Well, we are comparing him to a saint, so, you know, that's... True. The, that I mean. What do we think, or what are some of the rumours, Stuart? I know that you're more into this than James or I. What are some of the rumours of what new models Sisters of Battle might be getting?
1: Oh, there is none. The only thing we know from Sisters of Battle is... <coughs> they showed off... The only things they've shown from the new sculpts, from the new uh, CAD models, is they showed off a series of their weapons, of their bolters, and they showed off their heads. heads, And that's all we've seen. Now, from the bolters, one of the bolter models looked suspiciously like a bolt rifle. So that's the bolt weapon that Primaris Space Marines use. It seemed to be longer barreled and heavier than the other bolters that they showed off. So... Could it be that you're going to get Sisters of Battle armed with bolt rifles? Maybe. Uh, you, I can see, you know, a fluff reason of why that happened. I would think the majority of Sisters are going to end up with bolt guns, because that's, the, like, the, you know, the, the iconic weapon. But then again, the iconic weapon of space money and they're getting replaced with bolt rifles, so you never know.
0: Is there any chance that Bobby G decided to go and has given them, you know, Primaris uh, Sisters of Battle, or something similar? You're not gonna have Primaris Sisters of Battle. No, I mean something similar of that elk like an enhanced, whether it be the oh what are the sort of in between in between a space marine and a Terminator, the new ones that the ones that came out that you hated. The centurions? So are they gonna have like are they gonna have like centurions or something? Is there gonna be I
1: don't I don't think so. I, I, again I don't know what they're what they're planning to get. I don't know what the new things are gonna have. But I I would think that the, the model the model the, the army range is Going to get redone. They're not going to release a brand new codex and then just run a print of the fine cast um, or what used to be the metal Sisters of Battle. They have confirmed it's a completely brand new sculpt they're doing. They have shown off uh, like a test model or a test sculpt, and the thing looks fantastic. You know, it it shows you how far that they're sculpting and manufacturers came. So if you look at the original Sisters of Battle, which to be honest the models just look guys in drag. But if you look at the new ones you, they, they look really good. Uh, so I think the whole model range is going to get a re- revision. I don't think we're going to get 9 foot tall Sisters kicking around. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they've already got Space Marine equal armour. They've already got 3-up armour. It could be that Bobby G will turn around and say, give those ladies some
0: Bolt rifles, possible. You can only really hope, because you say that you don't want to be that, that person with the lame duck army that's just...
1: Well, you know, from a Chaos Marine player as well, I'll just like to point out that I have bolt guns, and you know, they do me perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, I know, but, you know, you also have the abilities for demons and, you know, all different types of chapters that you could go with different special rules. And so do they now, because they have orders. Okay.
1: One of the orders they have, in fact, I've toyed with the idea of starting a small sister force, because the the new models do look really good. And one of the um, sisters' uh, orders that I'm thinking of trying is the Ebon Chalice, because they have a plus one to tests for the Acts of Faith. Which means the whole acts of faith thing is a little bit easier to do. So is this a new thing that
0: the, since of battle have orders?
1: Yeah, um, in the previous in previous editions, the only people who had anything close to this was space Marines. Uh, they had, you know, Raven Guard tactics. Iron Hand tactics, uh Imperial Fist tactics. But when you played Chaos Marines, you played Chaos Marines. When you play Orc, you played Orc. Eldar were Eldar. Now, every codex that's came out, with the, uh, with, the, with the exception of maybe three or four, they all have sub-faction traits. And the ones that don't, are because their codex is specific, so it's like Grey Knight, Thousand Sun, Death Guard, because those books are for one specific army. But like the Chaos Marine book has all the legions. The Dark Eldar had three sub-factions for the different gangs in Comagra. You know, every book
0: that comes out has more. That's cool. I like the fact that they're fleshing it out a bit more and I'll be interested to see what the orders are like when the book comes out. Is that, am I right in thinking, James, that this is the next book to come out? Or is there, I know i have talked about Gene Steeler Cults as one of the ones coming out this year, potentially, but is The Sisters of the Battle the next one in the order?
2: No. Um, I think the the main rumour is The Sisters of the Battle won't be till the end of, ne- of this year. Uh, so the next one is assumed anyway because they all the advertising uh, to be changed to their cults, and we've still got the Eldar um, third faction, sorry, fourth faction of the uh, Yabarni. I think that's how you spell, it, uh, pronounce it. Um, so Harlequin. we've got that.
1: Do the Harlequins have their book yet?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah, there, there's still a few books to come before. The Sisters of Battle, that might increase, we don't know, but we're not expecting it. How many it to?
0: codexes were released last year? One of the,
1: well, that, see what? that? Yeah, that's, that's something that really turns it The, the codex releases of last year was, was tons. Uh, I I couldn't count them all off the top of my head, but the, the releases last year were more or less, it was along the lines of a codex a month. It it didn't pan out like that, but there was some months where we had two codexes come out at the same time, and there was some months where we had no codexes, but more or less, it felt like about a codex or two, you know, a codex a month, thereabouts. At the moment, the only codex they have left to do, or the only two codexes they have left to do, as James said, is Codex Gene Stealer Cult, which by the ramp up is almost definitely next and Codex Yavari if they get their own book. But once we're th- once we're out of that, the question then will be, do they go back and start to redo the existing armies with new model releases. Because what happened with Codex, with with 8th edition is, because the the fundamental rules and mechanics changed, even the stat line for units changed. Uh, As an example, Terminators all became two win models. We lost the entire initiative stat characteristic. They had... They've had to get codexes out to make every army playable, like with all the things we've been discussing about stratagems and warlord traits and, ta- and uh, chapter tactics and things like that. But once they get Gene Stealer Cult and army out, it, if you ignore Sisters for a minute, at that point, all the existing armies have an up-to-date book. Now, there has been rumours about we will be seeing a second code, uh, a new Codex Space Marine this year, and Codex Space Marine will be with the second wave of Primaris models, which will be expanding on the Primaris range with more Primaris vehicles and with more Primaris units. That doesn't mean to say we're definitely going to be getting a sec You know, we're going to be rerunning the exact same list again. We're not going to be getting... I don't believe we're going to get a new... Grey Knight book this year. I don't think we're going to get a new Chaos Marine book this year, but Space Marines are their bread and butter. We are almost definitely getting a new Codex Space Marine
0: this year, with Primaris Wave 2. Okay. So, focusing back on last year and the chap- chapter approved, one of the other things came in that was in it, sorry, was the Return of the Eight. Anyone want to jump on and explain exactly what that is for the un- uninitiated, like myself?
1: In the f- in, in Tau el- no, world, one of their sub-factions is called Farsight Enclave. And this is an enclave of Tau that has kind of broken away from the greater good. Uh, they're seen within the Tau as a bit of rebels and a bit of renegades. And that's because they don't follow, follow the ethereals. They follow a m- sort of military code and they have, they're more of a dictatorship. But you know, being Tau, they're a good type of good type of dictatorship. The Tau are led, or the, the Farsight enclave, I believe anyway, is led by the Eight. And the Eight is their Eight top commanders. So it's got Commander Farsight. You know, named after the Farsight Enclave. Like He's their main leader. And then it's seven of his best buddies. And in the, the last edition of the, the first of the, the eight, the, you would put these eight. Crisis suits or these aren't crisis suits. These eight battle suits on the board because some of them, one of them, one or two of them are broadsides. One of them is a riptide, and they would just windmill their way through anything you put in front of them. They all had a special rule, you know, like just like a one-off special rule that they could use each turn. But it was one of these things where, with the weapon loadout they had, or with the abilities they had, or because we're standing beside a guy who gave them one other thing, their all abilities became ridiculous. My my understanding of the eight the eight. In chapter approved, is it's nice. It's not bad. It's not great. It just seems to be a bunch of named crisis and uh, uh, named battle So it's kicking around a board. We've got one, two, three, four crisis suits, five crisis, six crisis suits, one broadside and one riptide. So yeah, eight, it's, uh, six crisis suits a broadside and a riptide. They've all got set weapon loadouts, so you can't customise your weapon loadouts on your Tau. It's, it's set. They've got one or two extra rules, but by and large it's a unit. Well, not even a unit because they're all individual. They, they can all go do their own thing. But yeah, they've all got set abilities. They've all got... They're all masters of war, which I think is the Tau version of being a warlord. You know, they're probably effective enough. I just don't think, you know, they're the, the insta-win they were in 7th edition.
0: Not striking fear like they used to? No, I wouldn't think so.
1: But... Which, again, potentially is maybe something that's good for the balancing of the game. You know, they're they're, they're not just face rolling their way across everything they touch.
0: James, you got the Space Wolf Kodak. Space Wolf Kodak was out last year correct? Yep. So, you do you have any, I'm just trying to think of, get the point of view of a player where you've got a sort of, you know, in the previous edition, you've got this sort of guy, and he's very good, and blah blah blah, and you build your army around them, switching fork or you build your army around a tactic that they can use, or whatever, and then the next time, the next edition comes out, and suddenly, you know, you find yourself, oh they're not as good, like, I'm just thinking of, like, a town player, like, who really liked the eight, and then when they come out this time, and he's like, ugh you know, what's the sort of feeling like as a player, when you get, when you're, you're you're sort of underwhelmed. I, mean, I suppose the broader community, broader community, is happy that there's a, a bit of balancing. But as someone who's who maybe feels like you know they're being picked on, what's the sort of how do you deal with that as a player?
2: I think for me, Wolves maybe know the, the best option to run with in that particular topic. The Wolves in general they fluctuated slightly, but never too much from the the time that I started playing them. Uh, Terranoids are Probably a little bit more apt, uh, they kind of
1: dipped. The is are like the magical yo yo of Games Workshop?
2: Yeah, they, they dipped quite a bit, uh, and then in this edition, they, they've, they've pretty much went over most others for quite a while, um, so, it's, it's strange, um, when you have models and units that, you know, you like and that do really well and then suddenly they're not doing as well and you then feel like they're, they're a waste of money and they're just, you kind of sit on a shelf and, and gather dust. So it's a bit, um, of an upset for that. Fortunately for, for myself, that's not really how I build my armies. It's not how I play. I generally build my armies because I like the look the models and I kind of try and make it work as best I can. With 8th edition, it seems that everything is a a bit more balanced. Um, So for the games that we play, there's rarely uh, an out-and-out winner. It's normally kind of quite close to the line, whereas in previous editions it was normally an obvious winner within the second turn or so, when it was just kind of steamroll and then it's just a snowball effect, constantly just walking over the top of whatever limited models that you've got left.
1: One of the one of the big things we have found in tournaments, and, and you know <coughs> when we look when we read up on the outcomes of competitive tournament play, if you're talking about Tyranids, uh, a, a favoured unit of terranids is the hive tyrant. But people would play three hive tyrants, all with the exact same loadout. You know, they would all have like dual sort of bio cannons or joe you know, bio rifles, wings. They all have, you know, similar psychic powers and they would fly around in a blob, just raining death on whatever they were passing over. And then if you did charge, I thing, charge into high, into close combat, you know, you are still fighting a Hive Tyrant. Even although it might, not, it might not have a dedicated close combat weapon, it's still a Hive Tyrant. So that's what we see when you look up online on, on the outcome of tournaments and whatnot. But when we play... I mean, we only have one Hive Tyrant each, so even if we were to play and team up and play some horrible monstrosity of both of our Terranid armies put together, you're only ever going to have two Hive Tyrants together. It's the broodlords you need to worry about, but it's the Hive Tyrants that, you know, seem to win tournaments.
0: Well, on the topic of tournaments, one of the other things in chapter approved that won't be allowed in tournaments is create a character, which is something... I am very much interested in, as when I started, or when I played Warhammer 40k, you could make anyone a character just by the bit of war game you could put on them. So, I'm looking forward to diving into this, and we're going to actually create a character, and it's going to just be a hero, is that right?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, for the simplicity of not taking this all night, we're just going to go with a hero, instead of a mighty hero or legendary hero.
0: Legendary hero sounds nice, but we could do that offline with a... Next time I see you, I can have a look through the book myself. So, first roll. This is on your additional do? abilities. Right, so I'm rolling a... D66. D66. Which I have got 55.
2: Terrifying. Okay. Yep, well, well done.
0: Next, it's uh, 2D12. Uh, 2D6. And this is a weapon improvement. So I have five...
1: Improved sights.
0: Yeah, okay. So, th- uh, roll another 2D6. Yep. I have eight...
1: blade master. Improve the model's uh, weapon skill by one.
0: Okay, and for my last roll of D3, I have... Two.
1: Uh, Adamantium Will.
0: Okay, so I have a terrifying blademaster with a longer range gun... (laughs) With a with a longer range gun, with an yes. I, adamantium will. So what does this what does this little guy do?
1: So your terrifying subtracts one from the leadership characteristic of the enemy anyway units
0: when well, they are within three inches of you. Okay,
2: that'll do well for your long range. Um. Yeah, it'll be doing well
1: for your long range. The I'm now
0: thinking of this sight thing just a, a periscope or a, tele, a telescope that just like kind of looks over the battlefield, goes pointing towards oh, him you, and then walks
1: towards it. Yeah, well either that or it's a, uh, it's, like a it's a like a rifle scope. On your sword,
2: it's it's like our Jack's, uh Hammer throws it.
1: Uh, weapon improvement, uh, improved sight. Pick one of the models' ranged uh, weapons. Add six to the range characteristic. So just as I thought, you take a plasma pistol on your close combat god and give it to that. So at least you've got a reasonably long range plasma pistol. Yeah,
0: that's not too bad. Okay, right, uh, Blade Master
1: plus one to your uh, weapon characteristic. I will throw in. The chances are, I'm imagining, your chap would be a space marine of description. If he's a space marine, and he's a character, oh no. If he's psychic, he would be a librarian, which means his weapon skill would only be three up. So that would make him two up, so that does work. And finally, adamantium will is add one to the number of psychic powers uh, the character can attempt to manifest. So i can attempt to deny in the opponent's psychic phase.
0: So that's basically just like, mm, no. Pretty yeah, much.
1: You, they roll um, 2d6 to see how powerful they are. And then you have to beat their role in two dice. Okay. That that's how simple magic is, or psychic is these days.
0: Yeah, that's kind of just It's like a close combat, like an all natural man. It's like none of your psychic crap, none of your weapons. Let's do this face to face and get some. You know, let me see, let me see the, the the whites of your eyes as your soul leaves your body.
1: Now, after we last chatted about this, um, I believe you asked me to check something. So I have good news. Go on. The rules for creating a character simply state. To create a data sheet for a named character, pick a character data sheet from your army, other than named characters, and decide if you want to create a hero, mighty hero, or legendary hero. So you could you could pick like a dreadnought or a, a knight. It has to be a character, so it has to have the character keyword. Now, most dreadnoughts, not all, most dreadnoughts are not characters. But, there is some, uh, stratagems, or some formations, that let you, like, group together dreadnoughts, or specifically knights. One of them can become a character. Right, okay. But, as you asked me before, in no part here, does it say, you cannot pick... A vindicator assassin.
0: Oh, now this is a this is a tasty one. So let's let's just roll for the vindicator. So let's just test this out. So I'm going to roll for a vindicator here, right? Okay. My first roll is uh, 44. Strategic feint. Okay. My my second roll is uh, 10. Brutal. (laughs) Pick one of the models' melee weapons. You don't have one. Your fists. Uh, the one after that is nine enhanced physiology plus one to toughness yeah and then Uh, you
1: wouldn't you you wouldn't have a psychic one uh, emphases aren't psychic vindicors Uh, vindicors sorry
2: they're not psychic either
1: yeah no but I will also point out right we're (sighs) talking about uh, rolling this off and obviously you'll see this next time you're actually got the book in the hand you you, it just says to make a a selection simply choose from one of the tables and either pick a result that most suits your character or roll a dice
0: oh jeez
1: so you can just cherry pick the ever-living oh Jesus out of this, and it just so happens that I have had a few choice selections. Just to point out as well, we're doing one from each table. It doesn't say one from each table, it just says pick four. Oh. So you could have all of them from the additional abilities, or all of them from your additional stats.
0: Right, okay, so I don't I, I know where you're going with this, let's, so have you got one, have you got, as I say, have you got one uh, prepared earlier? I, I, I have one, yeah. Yeah, I, I I could go with one. Yeah, I could do that. Okay, let's see, let's see. So we're all playing. We're all like, oh, let's have a character. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go. Okay, here's my vindicator. Your vindicator is
1: okay. Well, for a start, obviously he would be a legendary hero.
0: <laughs> you have four. <laughs> I want oh, eight.
1: Well, I okay, no, no. we won't go through the whole okay. list, but I'll give you some examples. So, impervious, the model regains one lost wound at the start of each turn. Hard to kill, wound rolls of a one, two, and three made for attacks that target this model always fail regardless of the weapon's strength But would that stop at instant death then instant death no longer a thing. but if a las cannon hit me and toughness 4 that's strength 9 it should be 2's to win you'll need a 4 to win me mate um, just seeing if we've got other, any other quick ones from this uh, no because a lot of the um, a lot of the other good ones oh oh and yeah, sure. well I was going to go with that but I'm going to go with directed fire Reroll to hits of a 1 for shooting in the shooting phase so your Vindicker's on a two up to hit and just for good measure, you re roll ones. And then we go on to the weapon
0: improvements. Well this is what I was gonna say. I was gonna say if you could pick so let's say you pick one trait and then three weapons, let's just imagine this guy. Now out of the ones you mentioned there, that that re roll ones is, is pretty tasty.
1: If if the gaming group said I could only pick one one additional ability for a vindicator, that's what I'd pick.
0: Because your vindicator only
1: has one shot a turn with his rifle, and that one shot has to hit. So I would always reroll the ones, okay? Because he's a character, he's on the back of the board, he's probably not going to be shot at, so all the mitigation stuff and regenerating wounds probably is unneeded, you need to hit the one, you need to hit the target.
0: Let's go with that, so that's, so there you, there you are, you've got your dead eye guy, right, so then let's go with his weapon now. Okay, I'm just going to go straight in with this. Okay. Auto loader. Right, so you get three, so right, auto loader, which does. Auto loader adds one to the number of shots I get.
1: Oh. So my Vindicor's now firing two sniper rounds a turn. Right, that's just a no-brainer, yeah. I would have. Artificer weapon increases the model's damage by one. The vindicator's weapon is a d3, so it becomes d3 plus one. So I'm always doing a minimum of two wounds, possibly doing four. Unless I get a six, when it becomes possibly seven.
0: Right, okay. And is your last one?
1: Probably go with. I would probably go with penetrate around increases the AP on it by one so a vindicator rifle would become AP minus four so it's marines can't save against it so that's two ups so it would be two ups to to hit with rerolls. On two shots, you reroll, it, it's two ups to wound against infantry, eh, uh, enemy. And, well, it's with both shots. Once it hits them and it wounds them, they've got a minus four save to make. And the Vindigar rifle means you can't take invulnerable saves. Oh, man, that. And each weapon, each round in. Does D three plus one damage. So you're more or less talking about a minimum on one target of about four wounds a turn and if that's if that's if you totally fluff your um winding rolls.
0: I mean if you ever rolled double ones with that you would just be so annoyed.
2: Reroll ones. I don't
0: know what I'm saying. If if you re-rolled, re-rolled one again. If you roll if you rolled the double ones on the wound roll,
1: uh, that's when you would spend a command point and reroll one of those ones.
2: Can't reroll a reroll.
1: No, no, not the. I'm talking about the wind roll. <laughs> but yeah, you, you, I get what you mean. If you reroll, if you rolled to hit and got two two ones and rerolled them both and got an two ones, that character's not made to die that turn.
0: No, but fortunately there was a lot of time coming around when he's just adjusting his little scope and taking, you know, finger in the air <laughs> yeah, he was like slightly off. That is absolutely devastating. Like, there was no way that if I rocked up and wanted to play that guy, used to be like, oh, okay, let's play that.
1: <laughs> Crack on. Who you, do you want to remove today? Now, again, to to, to further show you, because this is meant to be used for open play only. Uh, another, a, a further loophole, further thing that they don't really take into consideration. Again, it just says character. So, in our gaming group, people were talking about what they could do. One of the guys that plays Primaris Marines was going on about how he wanted to sort of pimp out a Primaris librarian and he's, you know, talking about this or talking about that. And this all sounded fantastic. Then the orc player started talking about doing this to a war boss, a bit more of a close combat monster. And then I turned up and said, I'm going to do it to a Nemesis Knight my Grandmaster Nemesis Knight And that killed the conversation funnily enough. What was happening if you did to a custodian?
0: I think that's called the Emperor. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, that would be pretty... So here's the thing, though, with a custodian, right?
1: He's already... A custodian captain
0: already re
1: ones to hit, because that's what captains do. <laughs> right? And he's already on a two-up to hit. So the whole to hit thing's in the bin. So, oh, sorry. Sorry, I just noticed there's an ability called... Deadly marksman, which is add one to the damage characteristic. Can you put that on? Oh, you can't do that, can you? I'm just wondering if you can put the additional ability on top of the weapon modifier, so it's add two to the damage characteristic. I think
2: so even an, even our group
0: would be like pick
1: one.
2: Yeah, it specifically says you can't choose ones that do the same thing.
1: Well, what it says is you cannot select an ability that has this, the same effect as one of your one of your characters. Oh, what your character already has, either through their own innate abilities, through a gen uh, or ability generated through a warlord trait or relic. It's kind of none of those, but I, yeah, I would agree that that would be bordering on ridiculous. I mean, if you went in with something like um, like it's a nemesis Dreadnought, knight and it had its uh, nemesis greatsword, which does d6 damage, that'd be d6 plus two. He could, if he rolled a six to wound and caused eight wounds, you could drop a dread a dreadnought in half in one hit.
0: Well, it is a you know a character of note.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. A- anybody stomping around in an Embers Dreadnought probably somebody to avoid.
0: I mean, Jimbo, what's what are you thinking? Like, what kind of? So, I, I had the idea of the uh, Vindica. What, what would you be going for? And you create a character.
1: Possibly, either a Broodlord
2: or a High Tyrant.
1: I looked over some of the stuff for the Broodlord. You could you could make a terribly, terribly overpowered Broodlord with this stuff. Oh, very much so.
0: Even if you only stuck to the
1: the four. Okay, sticking to the four. The first thing you would have, James. Tell me if I, if I if I go wrong here. Yep. I would have the the, the reroll to hit of a one in close combat, wherever that's creeped off to. Uh,
2: inspirational fighter. Yep. Reroll hit rolls of of one in the fight phase for friendly sub-faction units within six inches of this yep. model. The you biggest. That. The biggest problem. They don't get that. Don't get what?
1: The reroll hits of a one. Ah uh, no, no they don't. So that, that's what I was going to say, that's the biggest problem Broodlords have compared to other character units. They can they're on two up to hit with like four or five, att- uh, five or six attacks, but they can't, um, reroll those ones. So you take that, that's a one-off ability right there.
0: Okay? So let's, let me just get this face. This is, I'm, I'm trying to picture this in battle. It's like, you know, you've got your space marines and everyone just like kind of plowing in as the tenured Forces comes and then this guy comes bound, this Broodlord comes bounding over and suddenly starts fighting and everyone just kind of stops and goes, bye. God. God, it's beautiful. He is an inspiration. So, yeah, you would take
1: the um, re-roll to hit several one. But just to also add on to this, Richard, not only is it to re-roll to hit several one for him, it's all friendly subfaction faction within six inches of him. So see if he's running with a pack of gene-stealers. They all get this as well. Come on, boys. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Fight like me, right? So if you're doing it the same way you've done it, so it's one from additional abilities, that's the ability I would take. I don't know about you, James, but that's the ability I'd have on a Broodlord.
2: Um, try to see if there's anything...
0: So like, well, well, James is picking up his Broodlord of Doom.
2: I'd probably go for Stealth Assault. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Enemy units can't fire overwatch at the model. So (laughs) when you're charging in, you're not getting shot at.
1: It's a good one. I will give you that. To me, though, that's why I bring Hormigants. They're my bullet catchers. But yes, I would agree. If a brute lord gets into close combat with you, you're dead. And that ability lets you get into close combat. So, you know, see previous statement. So what's your three
0: others? others? Okay, so going on to weapon improvements. Erlen. What's that do for you, James, again?
2: So pick one of the melee weapons and it gains the ability of each unmodified hit roll of six. Made for attacks with this weapon, scores two hits instead of one.
0: Okay, so like, I think you would just go like fist-
2: um Talons. Well, alright, um, <coughs> Rending Claws problem.
0: I can't remember if
1: the Broodlord... Does the Broodlord get a natural plus one attack because of his claws, or is it just a base value?
2: I think it's just a base value, because you don't get a plus one for claws, it's for Scythe and Talons generally. Right.
1: In that case then, I'd go Finely Balanced, which this guy wouldn't be, but that's an, each time the better fights, he can make one additional attack. So I'm just going for a flat extra attack. I'm not, none of this six nonsense, I'm just going straight in there with an extra attack. Okay. Um, Going into the characteristic modifiers, as tempting as it would be to make him have fleet and add two inches to his already eight inch move, um, Divine Protection, plus one tier invulnerable save. so I'm now on a four up invulnerable. Actually, hold on. Are Broodlords not on four up already.
2: I think they might be, so I'll bring them a three up and four. <laughs> with a storm shield. Uh, as much as I'd love to take ferocious combatant, I'd probably go for divine protection as well. Um, again, if somebody's shooting at me, I don't want them hurt. I want them to get them in there. Yeah, you know, well, so uh,
1: yeah, as far lords, <clears throat> have a five up and vulnerable, so we're going to a four up, which is a bit more respectable.
2: Um, as far as the Broodlords stat line goes, it's dangerous once he gets into combat. I want every advantage to get the hermetic
1: combat uh, that I can get. Yeah. To give you an idea of how dangerous Broodlords are, uh, one of the games we played at the start of the edition, uh, one of our one of our mates had a Chaos Knight and my Broodlord managed to charge it. He thought he was being charged by like, you know, a, a guy with like, you know, a close combat, you know, character and he was like, well, you know, uh, that's nice but I'm a Chaos Knight. The Knight had 25 wounds, by the end of the turn the Knight had 12 wounds because the Broodlord um, just went bananas. The Broodlords um, are terrible, terrible creatures in close combat.
0: Is there any other sort of characters that, or characters that spring to mind that you would find a quite fancy pimping this one out? Broodlords seem to be like a really good shout.
1: I think the thing about Broodlords is they're uniquely built for close combat. I mean, they're already you know, they're they're naturally quite tough and quite you know, quite hardy. So it's not like an Eldar unit, like an Eldar, say like a Dark Eldar Succubus who who is beastly in close combat, but fragile, ugh, fragile. Yeah. Um. Even if you took the the, the plus one. Toughness, you're only getting up to toughness four. Um you could maybe try and push your invulnerable a bit higher, that'd be quite cool. Maybe we could quite quite an invulnerable character. But the thing about the the, the Broodlords like G Stealers, they move fast. They're one of the only units in the game that can naturally move, advance, and charge without spending our stratagem. They in close combat Care through most things. Their claws. Their claws are ridiculous. I mean, I mean, the, the, the claws brood lords have out the box will kill anything it moves. And this is before you actually realise the guy's also psychic, and we can actually do an actually a psychic power
0: for him as well. I asked him. This guy does sound terrifying if I didn't have a that which is picking him off from a distance. Like This his, is true. None these invulnerables and hitting twice yep. on one or yep. more. Well.
1: Again, to give you an example, the Vindiker, although this guy we're talking about is this close combat Bruce Lee of the Warhammer world, as long as you can draw a line of sight on him, your Vindicker could probably kill him in a turn. Yeah. Like, it, it wouldn't even be a competition. You'd be on two ups to hit with rerolls, twos to wound. We can't save at all because your your rifle would go through our natural armour. We can't make invulnerable saves. You're f- Then straight on to wound mechanics.
2: Yeah. Of course, Dead. I think uh, the Vindiker rifle, you can pick characters out the crowd as well. Yep. You
1: know, yeah, yeah.
0: There's, there's no hiding for characters either with a vindicor. You can just pick anybody off in the board. I think we might have a new game for every podcast we do to try and find something that can top this vindicor. Pick the most broken character possible. Again, I would say, remember, you can also
1: add character rules to a, a knight if you're running a knight lance. There's a lot to be said for,
0: you, you know, a towering, you know, a, a walking deathmobile. I'm just thinking like a... For Tau, have you had like a giant suit, what's the sort of what's the best one you could get with Tau? So
2: the
1: problem with Tau is the the big suits are not characters. Yeah, so,
2: I think the biggest is just a Crisis suit. Yeah, it's a
1: Black Star or the fancy new model, the Crisis has got got. Can't yeah, Star sure, maybe something.
2: I don't know. I don't know. Something. Some,
1: star. Something. Some fancy Tau word. But it that is a it's a set weapon loadout. I don't know how how killy you can make it, but. The, the basic Tau Commander could be quite dangerous, but again, from a close combat point of view, I think we're going to be hard pressed to beat a, a Broodlord with yeah. the bells and whistles. And from a shooting point of view, I can't think of anything that would be more dangerous than a Vindicker. There's not really a sort of benefit to uh, the psychic, Psyche, There's only, see how the, the traits we're reading off ones, uh, two of them are 2d6, two two one yeah, of them is the a d66. Six, yeah, it's only, and, and this, to be honest they're not even very great when depends those, on
2: how much a you are you pulling heavy
1: well I mean so I, I did look at this for building a Grey Knight character and there is a you know the psychic might Add one to the number of psychic powers this character character can attempt to manifest this turn. Being able to cast an extra power is always good. Uh, Master of Lore, add one to the number of psychic powers this model knows from the di- one of the disciplines available. So, you could add on an extra ability, Um you know, you could take an extra ability, then have the ability to throw smite and throw that ability, or put hammer hand on and sanctuary. You know, there's, there's, if you're going, if you're going for a psychic power, psychic, p- psychic bomb, you could do it. You know, yeah, you could, you, you would be able to, choose your own buff abilities, as well as throw out a smite, or throw out uh, an offensive power, without having to chop and choose between them. So, But, again, nothing's going to stand in the way
0: of El Vindicaro. Yeah. I feel that we may have broken it with Lord Elvindicaro. Vindicom. Quite possibly. And this is why tournaments will never allow this character. I mean, I, just, I would love to see that character in a tournament of Vindicom. That would just be utterly demoralising. I
2: and mean, then the problem is, you'll see him on everybody's table. I was
0: going to say, you're going to end up with anybody the gate. Yeah. But it's just this type of fight when it's behind cover. First one to make a mistake dies. If we... So... If we go... Well, on you go. On you go. No, no, go.
1: I was just going to say, if we take away from that, and you go to the, uh, the custodian shield captain idea, out of the box custodians are quite dangerous. So... To start putting on, even if you went for a basic hero, I don't know if the Cornelius Custodians have such a thing, but even if you went for like a basic hero, he would, he, you, you could still make quite a meaty, uh, a meaty powerhouse. You're not gonna be ignoring the vulnerables, but you know, meaty.
0: I mean do you is there the possibility where you can create a character that's just more powerful than the actual characters in the game? Yeah, that Vindicator. Um, we just spoke about Vindica, <laughs> right, of course, uh Vindicar Prime. But yeah, I'm just thinking it's like, you know, is there any point I played Bobby G when you can just create some sort of like you know, would Bobby G be able to withstand the Broodlord?
2: Lord? Uh, I think you'd probably still maybe think about taking Bobby G for his buffs.
0: Yeah. Bobby um, G
2: has a lot of abilities. You could probably stick him next to the, the Vindicator and probably give him something, I don't know. I'm sure he's got something that's Imperium No, Well, the, the biggest advantage...
1: It's it's like Abaddon. Everybody, you know, says he's a bit of a joke. But honestly, if Abaddon gets in close combat with you, he will mince you. There's only a few models in the game that can go toe-to-toe with Abaddon. Bobby G, obviously, is one of them, being a bloody Primark, but...
2: Red Lord we just came up
1: with Yeah. Well, it depends who gets the charge. Red Lord. I mean, play it out. They're both hitting on two-ups. They both have rerolls. They are both toughness... Well, one's toughness 4, one's toughness 5. But Abaddon's got, like, strength... Oh, Abaddon would be strength 5 because of the Mark of So they're both toughness... Sorry, they're both toughness 5. Abaddon's got Mark of They're both toughness 5. They both would be wounding on, like, 2 up because they've both got weapons... Oh, no, no, the Broodlord would be wounded on 3 up because he's, um... No. Or maybe four? I don't know. I think maybe Abigail could take your brute lord. I think I could happen, Jimbo.
0: Depends who's rolling for him, because if it's our friend Craig, then no, the most unluckiest dice roll in the world. So that sounds kind of had a look at Chapter Approved for last year, 2018. Looking forward to 2019. I'm going to ask you guys, put you on the spot. Top three things that you're looking forward to or anticipate most? James, we'll go with you first.
2: Uh, First thing is probably Genestear Cults. The, the second thing is the expansion of the lore and moving everything forward, which they seem to be doing with the Fidilus story at the moment. The second part of that is due to come out just under two months. And uh, the third thing is just kind of seeing if they start making any new armies once they've got all these... Um, Normal ones out. Sure.
1: So I'm going to steal one of James's. Um, I'd like to see how they're going to move the story forward. When Vigilus was coming out, they they said it was going to be equivalent to a Warhammer 40,000 version of a Horus Heresy level campaign book, and a lot of people doubted them. Having now got my hands on it, I, I'm quite happy with my Vigilus book. I've played one of the missions out. It I had a good time playing it. It was very. It was very. Um, Narrative, it was good. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else they do in Vigilus. The the next one, hopefully, will be the arrival of the Black Fleet and Chaos arriving. So I'm looking forward to that. the The other thing I'm looking forward to is now that they've got the vast majority, or, or we'll call it all the Codexes out, barring the ones we've mentioned already, by summer of this year, they should have all the Codexes out and done and out there. I want to see what they're going to do next. Personally, I hope that now now we've got the units out. And the codex is done, and everything's up to date for 8th edition. I'd like to see new units come out. There's, if you ignore the Primaris, um, space marine effort that's going on at the moment, Chaos Marines saw no new units. The Orc saw nothing. Uh, a couple of buggies. Eldar saw nothing, I don't think. You know, you've got a lot of core armies of the game. That got absolutely no new units, no new anything apart from a book and maybe like a, a clamshell character pack or something like that. I'd like to, I'd like them to see to, like them to revisit some of the existing stuff and add more. And finally, I'm, I'm just happy to see where the the year goes for the for the hobby. So 2017, 2018 were definitely good. Good years for it. They, they're they're keeping the the big FAQs rolling. They're keeping the chapter approved rolling. Um, they're definitely keeping the um,
0: community. They're keeping in touch with the community.
1: Um, leaps and bounds better than they've ever done before. So no. Um, Happy to see where it goes.
0: I don't really, since I don't really play, I don't really have anything of note, but I suppose I just want to see what they do with Blackstone Fortress and how they expand that um, down the line. That'll be the thing that I'll be keeping most in. And, you know, obviously when they get in touch with me about this Indiker character that I've created, that'll be be a nice one as well.
1: Just on the topic of Blackstone, before you end up, they've already announced um, the first expansion. It's a small expansion, but they've already announced the first expansion. It's an extra enemy model, an extra enemy character but it's like a big sort of... It's kind of like a Minotaur that's like, you know, went through the thing, you know, uh, the Jeff Goldblum, the fly treatment. It's like a big sort of fly ogre thing, but the point of this more is not not that you'll like it, more the point of that they're already starting to talk about and suggest um, Blackstone expansions. It just wouldn't be a
0: Warhammer quest type of thing without a deadly Minotaur.
1: No, chasing after you.
0: Yeah... So many times that if we hit the club of a minotaur, bash our character's skull on... As long well, as this minotaur
1: can't become a demonic minotaur, I think we'll be okay.
2: Well, the worrying part is it can't become a mechanical minotaur. Robobool. Very much. Eh, yeah, we'll deal with that.
0: Alright guys, well, thank you. We've kicked off our first one of the year. Hopefully we'll be doing more as the year goes along. Uh, I'd like to thank you both for joining me. Thank you, James. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you very much,
1: Richard. And I'd like to thank you for hosting.
0: I'd like, to, you know, your pleasure, or my pleasure. I'd also like to say congratulations to Stuart, who got engaged over the holiday period, so this will be a big year for him as well, and he's probably... Yes, yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, catch you guys later. Bye.
2: Cheers. Take
0: care.
2: uh, Who's typing away? Me, I'm just uh, getting the the pages
0: up. Alright, well let's just wait a second and then you can go back into that spiel. Because I can't edit out your tap 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 tap. (laughs) Sure
2: you can.